John chapter 12 and reading from verse 12. It's John's account of uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it. As it is written, do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The person who loves their life will lose it, while the one who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them. You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The one who walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Word of prayer before we study. Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you that your word is a word of life. By your Holy Spirit, may it give life to us this morning. 
For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is in the beginning, the last week of his life, and finally his hour has come a number of times in um, in John's Gospel. Uh, it looks as if things are going to happen to Jesus, or Jesus is going to be forced to do something. And we read that his hour has not yet come. Uh, um, remember in the, the wedding of uh, Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine, and uh, at the beginning of that episode, Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and asks him to do something, and Jesus' initial response is, no, my hour has not yet come. Uh, after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowd want to uh, preempt things and force Jesus to become their king, but Jesus' hour has not yet come and he walks through the crowd and disappears. But now, Jesus says, his hour has come. His hour has come. This is the moment his, uh, for Jesus to complete everything that the Lord, uh, his father has given him to do on earth. Now his hour has come. Verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Uh, God's timing is always perfect and Jesus's death uh, wasn't an accident. It was something that Jesus knew was going to happen. The father had planned it from the beginning of time. It is the perfect time and perhaps there's something about uh, the Greeks coming to the feast. It's, it's almost as if the, the, the reputation of Jesus has spread beyond the Jewish community. Uh, the Greeks are beginning to come and ask about Jesus. The Pharisees have become so frustrated with Jesus that they can't contain him. Verse 19, the Pharisees say, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. It seems to be almost at this point where uh, it's, it's not just the Jews who are interested in who Jesus is. It's now the whole world are coming to find out. Now the hour has come. And I want to focus this morning just on two verses from the middle of this um, passage, verses 25 and 26, uh, where Jesus says this. He says, the one who loves, who loves their life will lose it, while the one who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honour the one who serves me. So Jesus is instructing his disciples, he's instructing us, and he's basically saying, look, if, you, if all you're focused on is this life, if your focus is on loving this life that you have, you'll end up losing it. And not just this life, but you'll end up losing eternity. Uh, Jesus says, no, um, you need to hate this life. It's a strong word, isn't it? A strong, you need to hate this life. And if you hate this life, uh, well, then you'll actually you'll keep it for eternal life. It's the upside down nature of the, of the kingdom of God that we, we hate this life. By which he means is don't make this life everything. If you make this life everything, then you're the biggest fool that there can be. Because this life isn't all that there is. There's more to life than this. There is an eternity waiting for us. And Jesus is uh, telling his disciples this, and then they're going to watch him do it. 
In the coming days, they're going to watch him do it. And we're going to be reminded this week of the fact that Jesus doesn't just ask us to do things. He doesn't just tell us to do things. He does them himself. Uh, Jesus gives up his life in order to win eternal life. Um, In our studies in Luke's gospel that we've been going through at the chapel over this past year, we've been reminded so often of the need to sit lightly to this world, sit lightly to the things of this world, because we're created for eternity. That should be our focus. And as we'll discover, in this life, there's a price to be paid. This life will be costly if we choose to follow Jesus Christ, but it's a cost worth paying because of the eternity that Jesus offers to us. I want to think about what it means to be a Christian this morning, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, what it means to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to think about three things this morning. We're going to think about our, our calling, our calling to follow Jesus Christ. We're going to think about the cost of following that calling, but we're going to think about also the crown that awaits us if we'll be faithful. And I want to unpack this, uh, verse 26. Uh, First of all, Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me. Whoever serves me must follow me. His disciples, they're they're only really beginning to understand what it means to serve Jesus. They're only just beginning to understand what it means to follow him. But that's our calling, Our calling as Christians is to be followers of a person who said he was the way, the truth and the life. We're called in, uh, if there's um, uh, an outbreak of war, uh, the government call, you know, people are called up to fight in the battle. We're called up to serve our country. Well, uh, Jesus calls us. We are called up to serve him and we're called to follow him. Uh, Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, writes about the um, the privilege of the calling that we have in Jesus Christ and where this calling begins. And he says that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy, holy and blameless in his sight, in love, God predestined us for adoption through his son, Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. We're called to serve and we're called to follow. And that calling originated before the creation of the world. What an amazing privilege. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, that's where it all began. It began before the creation of the world. God had your name on his heart. God was thinking about you before the creation of the world. Uh, We are called to serve and we're called to follow. At the beginning of John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 35, um, John the Baptist reveals Jesus to be the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who will be sacrificed on Good Friday, the Passover Lamb on our Behalf. But John the Baptist reveals Jesus as the Lamb of God. And then we read the next day uh, that two of his disciples um, saw Jesus and they followed Jesus. 
Uh, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. Our calling is to uh, follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, we discover who he is. We discover what he's about. The Christian faith is not about adopting a moral code. It's not about um, uh, you know, uh, believing, that well, well, these things are right and these things are wrong and I need to do the right things and not do the wrong things. No, it's about following someone. It's about following Jesus wherever he leads. And as we follow him, we discover who he is and we discover the changed life that he produces in us. And transformed character and transformed morality flows from knowing him. But it's about following him into the life that he wants for us. The beginning of Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus says to the first disciples, follow me, come follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. We're called to serve. And if we want to serve Jesus, then we have to follow, and we follow him into a life that he shows us, and we discover as we go who he is. These first disciples, when they first started following Jesus, they followed him because they were fascinated by him. They didn't understand who he was. Maybe as you're watching this, you're interested, you've heard something about Jesus. You're fascinated by his character, by his teaching. Well, the call is to follow, and as you follow, to discover more and more of who he is, and ultimately to follow, to discover that he wants to be your Lord and your Saviour. Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 8, 27 to 29, uh, have this great uh, revelation where Simon Peter is the first to discover who Jesus really is. Uh, Jesus is uh, travelling in the villages around Caesarea Philippi. He says, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? They reply, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and some of the others, some of the, uh, one of the prophets. But about, what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? It's the most important question you will ever be asked and that you will ever have to give an answer to. And the answer that you give to that question will be the most important answer that you give to any question you'll ever be asked in this life because it will determine your eternal destiny. The answer that you give to that question will determine your eternal destiny. Who do you think Jesus is? And Simon Peter is the first to say, you're the Messiah. You're God's anointed one. You are the saviour of the world. Well, Simon Peter only got to that point because he had started following Jesus. To follow Jesus is an invitation. It's an invitation to discover a person, to discover the identity of that person, to discover the character of that person. That's what Jesus called us to. And it's a calling made before the creation of the world that we respond to. I want to encourage you, if you're watching this and you're wondering about this Jesus, I want to encourage you to follow him. Find an alpha course. Ask questions. Explore who he truly is. I love this um, uh, quotation from an American theologian, Bernard Ram, but he writes about The character of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the wonder of who Jesus is. And he writes this about the things that Jesus said. 
He said they're read more, quoted more, loved more, believed more and translated more because they are the greatest words ever spoken. Their greatness lies in a pure, lucid spirituality in dealing clearly, definitively and authoritatively with the greatest problems that throb in the human breast. No other man's words have the appeal of Jesus' words because no other man can answer these fundamental human questions as Jesus answered them. They are the kind of words and the kind of answers we would expect God to give. Jesus calls us to follow him and to serve him and it's the most wonderful calling that we could ever discover. But it is a calling that comes at a cost. Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. Where I am, my servant also will be. There's, there's something very subtle going on in that, in that phrase because of the way round it is. Um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at Psalm 139 and uh, a lot of Psalm 139 is about the fact that um, there's nowhere we can go where God isn't. You can go to the ends of the earth and God will still meet with you. There's nowhere that you can go where God can't meet with you. And often we think about that. We think, well, that's, very, that's really comforting and reassuring. It doesn't matter what situation I'm in. Uh, God is still with me. Whatever trouble I may be in, God is still with me. Wherever I go, God will be with me. But here, Jesus says it the other way around. He says, where I am, my servant also will be. Where I am, my servant also will be. Jesus expects us to follow him where he goes. It's not about, um, well, we can, you know, we can do our own thing and live our own lives and go wherever we want and very comforting, Jesus will be with us. That is true, but actually this is very significant. Jesus says, where I am, my servant also will be. Are we where Jesus wants us to be? Are we willing to follow Jesus wherever he goes? Because in this Holy Week, what are we remembering? We're remembering the fact that Jesus isn't in a, always in a place where the crowds are cheering for him, where he's in the place where the crowds cheer for his crucifixion. And if we choose to follow Jesus, well, we may end up in the same place. We may end up in a place, in fact, I would guarantee it, one way or another, you will end up in a place of suffering. You'll end up in a place where it costs. It costs you. The Apostle Paul in uh, his second letter to the church at Corinth writes about what it cost him to follow Jesus. Jesus confronted him, as you'll remember, on the road to Damascus, where Paul is on the way to persecute Christians and have them arrested and locked up. And Jesus meets with him and changes his life and says, no, you're going to follow me from now on. And Paul accepts that calling and begins to follow Jesus and then discovers the cost. He writes this, he says, uh, I've been in prison frequently, I've been flogged severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and night in the open sea. 
I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. That's everybody, Jews and Gentiles. There's no one excluded. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, in danger from false believers. I've laboured and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Following Jesus comes at a cost. Jesus wants us to know that. It cost him his life on the cross. It is costly for us. Uh, Jesus, uh, Paul in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 says... For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And when he wrote that, he was in prison, awaiting execution. He says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul realises there is a, if you accept the calling to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. Which is why when Paul writes to the church in Galatia, uh, chapter 6, verse 14, he says, I never boast, I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Are we ready to pay the price? Those of us that live in, uh, in uh, European nations or North America, the cost for us is not as extreme as it is for some of our brothers and sisters, but the church it's persecuted. I was just, uh, this week, I used the um, Release International um, Prayer Diary. And this week, I've been praying for brothers and sisters in, uh, in Nigeria. Let me just read some of the cost for some of our brothers and sisters who have accepted a calling to follow Jesus. I was praying on Thursday. Uh, in October, armed Fulani militia kidnapped Um, killed David Titus near Bang Village, Adamawama State. The previous day, Kennedy Bitrus from the same village was attacked with machetes but survived. Friday, thank God that church elder Ibrahim Garber survived after being shot in the stomach and that his twin daughters, Hassana and Hussaina, were released three days after being kidnapped in Kassina State. Yesterday, Pray for the family and friends of Justine Patrick, who was abducted and killed as he returned to Chaha village in Plateau State. His two companions, Daniel and Sele, managed to escape. Today, Christian community leader Bullas Chuang Janka was lured out of his home in Rasat village, Plateau, with a phone call, then murdered. Pray for his wife, Chundung, and their son, who saw him die. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's always a cost, and the cost is always to die to self. And Jesus sets us the example. He went to the cross. Whether or not our physical lives are taken from us, the calling to follow Jesus is a call to die to self and to be prepared to die, to pay that ultimate price. Paul says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the cost. So there's a calling, a calling on our lives. And the fact that we're here in the chapel this morning, and hopefully if you're watching online, 
It's because you're beginning, you respond, you have responded to that calling to follow Jesus. But it's a calling that comes at a cost. But it's also a calling that comes with a crown. There's a crown. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his letter, chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Jesus says this, Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Don't be afraid. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. It's a, a, a figurative number in the book of Revelation. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Uh, that's the, the hope that we have. Uh, Paul writes, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it. To get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No. I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others. I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Are we running in such a way as to win the prize? As Christians in these days. As a church in these days of pandemic, as a church, in these days of a world which is caught up in so much chaos and confusion and where there is so much pressure upon the church, where brothers and sisters are dying day in and day out, a time where it is increasingly difficult to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Are we running in such a way as to win the prize? Are we responding to the call of God upon our lives? Are we willing to pay the cost? Because we know that we are promised a crown. And we know that because of what we'll be celebrating next Sunday, resurrection. I was um, just reminded a couple of weeks ago that the Christian definition of hope is resurrection. It's when there's death. It's when there is no hope that Christian hope kicks in. It's when there is a dead body in the tomb that Christian hope erupts in resurrection. Our hope as Christians is not, well, well things are okay and they're going to get better. No, our Christian hope is that when there's death, Jesus brings life. Jesus rides into Jerusalem uh, and is welcomed as a king. And that crowd that welcomed him on that first Palm Sunday thought, uh, this is going to be uh, 
a calling that we can respond to that won't have a cost because our King Jesus is going to um, raise up an army and uh, be victorious and kick out the Roman occupiers and establish our nation as an independent nation once again. And they reckoned without Good Friday. They reckoned without the cost. They didn't quite understand the kind of king that Jesus had come to be. He'd come to be a suffering servant. He'd come to be the Passover lamb who sacrificed in order to set us free from sin and from death. Jesus says, the one who loves their life will lose it, but the one who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. The crown. My father will honour the one who serves me. We've accepted, have we accepted his call on our lives? Are we willing for the cost? Do we know that the cost is worth bearing because of the resurrection that is to come? Jesus is our example. He knew at the beginning of this week that he would end it on a cross. And he knew beyond that was resurrection and new life. That's our hope. Let's pray for a moment as we uh, draw to a close.